Hey, everybody. Devin Townsend here again. So, this is a slightly different version of the Devin Townsend podcast. In that, for the first time, I am going to have some guests. Whee! Why would I have guests? Well, earlier this week, I had been propositioned by several companies and individuals about making NFTs. And thus far, I've said no. And I figured, you know, the best way to see if this has any real value would be to ask the audience. Because the audience that I have had for so many years, uh, I feel very fortunate that the audience has extended themselves and been there and I'm very grateful for it. So if this is something that people want, then I'm down with it, right? But I wanted to look into it. So I put up a Twitter post about it. And the reaction from the audience was, I'd say, probably 97% negative. But not just negative. Profoundly negative. And, um, you know, there's conversations about it's killing the environment and uh, if artists do this they're sellouts and um, it's all about grifting and rich person sport all these sorts of things and uh, because I don't have any real agenda I was like oh it's fine okay point taken then I got hit up by a couple of people who are in bands they said I'd like to talk to you about this because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. And would you like to have a conversation? One of these people was a singer for Avenged Sevenfold, Matt M. Shadows. And the audience pointed me to a bunch of videos online and films and, and articles about the detrimental nature of, of crypto and uh, NFTs. And I figured that if my, if my intention was just to figure it out and see if there's anything worth pursuing or if it is a complete wash, then the best thing for me to do would be to have at least a, a basic knowledge of both sides of the argument. So I watched the films and I investigated it and I talked to a bunch of people who were very, very against NFTs for frankly some very good reasons on the surface and then I thought okay I'm going to talk to people who are very pro NFT and get their arguments against those things and get their opinions and frankly there were some really interesting things that they brought up as well so where does that leave me I have no idea I've got no burning desire to pursue it but I want to know because if this is the way that things are going and if there's solutions to some of the problems that have been so hotly contested, specifically environmental concerns, even if it's long term, then maybe there's uh, some value in, in learning about it. I don't know yet. Anyway, what you're going to hear is my conversation with Matt from Avenged 
Cool. All right. So, hey, everyone, it's Dev. And uh, it's the first time I've interviewed anybody in my entire fucking life. So this is it ought to be uh, ought to be interesting. And it's actually the first time. Well, it's the second time I think we met each other. I think we met each other years and years ago at a show at OzFest or something. And then we sent each other pictures of people shitting themselves for about a year. And then that's as far as our relationship has gotten. So it's great to meet you finally, buddy. It's great to meet you too. Uh, yeah, we've all, we've come a long way since the, the, uh, the text message uh, threads there, that, but you know, you always, you always had the good stuff. Well, I, uh, I feel that it's like by the end of it, it was just the, you, yourself with kids. It's like my, uh, my, my son is always looking on my phone for, um, uh, you know, like music or whatever. And it's just, it ended up being like roulette, not only between us, but between a lot of buddies of mine too, where it's like everybody's sending each other horrible things. And every time the phone rings, I'm like, fuck, where's the phone? <laughs> you know, it's, I, my kid got it. Like, dude, it's like, you know. I agree. I agree. You, uh, you, you backing out of that text chain probably helped me as well. So. Oh man. You I felt bad about kid. it too. For, no, for, no. You know, we good. <laughs> you know, a lot, a lot of those guys, uh, they don't have the same situation as we do, but you know, yeah. I got a, a nine and a seven year old and they do look through my phone to play video totally. games and you don't want totally, any of those buddy. videos popping up. <laughs> totally. But for, uh, it just as a bit of back, uh, story, like Matt and I were on a text thread with a bunch of other dudes that it was funny because, you know, it's like you're sending horrible things to each other is how, how it goes. But then the more people that got involved with the thread, the more that the phone was always like, ding, 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 ding. And every time it came on, I was just like, I was like, Oh, it's funny, but it's like, it's like, it's my stress levels higher because I'm, I'm every time, cause it comes up on my phone and on my computer and on the iPad. And it's like, I got an eight year old running around. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, yeah, you know, I, I'd rather save for his braces rather than like uh, therapy. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 What's dad up to? Yeah. No. <laughs> well, I mean, eventually they're going to know, but, but yeah, maybe just yeah. in due time. Yeah. Well, so anyway, man, I, I, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, I, um, I'm not going to take up all your time as well. Cause I know how busy you must be, but, uh, basically I I'm, I'm, uh, interested in, in, uh, the other side of the coin on the NFT conversation. So, uh, I put up, uh, a tweet about a week back, basically asking the audience what their opinion is on NFT technology and how it can benefit artists. And uh, uh, as one would expect with anything that's divisive like that, it's, there's a lot of like a dog pile, like people have a narrative that they're, that they've heard. And that's, you know, uh, sometimes things become like what society deems it uh, okay to, to dog pile on. And, and man, the reaction from it was crazy. People are just like, fuck you for even talking about it. You might as well have said, you know, Hey, I'm really, I'm really for uh, stabbing cats. I think that's like a really yeah. cool thing for everyone to get into. Right? <laughs> so since that time, people uh, sent me a bunch of movies and I watched them and I've talked to a really close friend of mine who's super involved with uh, the NFT uh, scene. And I did a, a conversation with him earlier today to get his perspective on it. And uh, with Avenged, you guys have done a lot of work. So would you please help me by explaining where you're at with it? Yeah, well, first off, I would say, um, if you have a, a good understanding of what the blockchain is, I think people 
that there's there's a lot of arguments against NFTs and a lot of them clearly don't understand what the blockchain is and how it nodes authenticate transactions. They authenticate um, uh, movement on the blockchain. So it's like hash and information. Um, so, you know, all of us that grew up with the internet, um, we all realize that anything on the internet is pretty much free to uh, right-click save, whether it's the music, whether it's a piece of art, whether it's a video game skin, um, you know, there are closed off ecosystems in the video game world, but that's that you're signing into Microsoft and then you, they take your credit card and they give you something that is, you know, uh, a skin that anyone else could get. They'll sell as many as they can. The idea of NFTs is it's digital ownership. So it could be anything from your video game skin to your bus ticket, to the finance, uh, to refining your house, to the deed on your house, to, uh, ownership of having a Tesla to having a membership into a club, you know, and we could, and so what event sevenfold is doing is membership into a, a club, which is held on the blockchain. Um, I think a lot of people are used to seeing apes and crypto punks and all these original things that are kind of the, the genesis of this digital ownership. And they go for millions of dollars and they instantly have this knee jerk reaction of, not only is that art stupid, but things on the internet aren't truly digital assets. They're, they should be free for everyone. I'm going to right-click save. And this is all stupid, right? And I think we could call that version 1.0 of NFTs. And I think now we're starting to see the emergence of version 2.0, which it could be anything from fractionalizing royalties um, to, from artists to decentralized protocols that create DAOs, which are these kind of governance run by you know, groups of people um, for whatever you want it to be. It could be your group. It could be my group, my club, your club. Um, and you're seeing a bunch of real world utility be added into this more digital world utility through these things. Um, and so we're trying to do version 2.0 of what um, things like the board apes and the crypto punks and the art blocks have all started, which is this digital ownership um, on the web or on this new web. Uh, so that's kind of where I'll, I'll leave it and start start us off um but we're so, trying to we're trying to add more to what was originally art and a couple things on the blockchain that not everybody's an art collector so they're not going to care right so um so avenged as a band Avenged sevenfold has a membership um a membership club uh and it's called death bats is that it Death Bats Club. So okay. Death Bats Club. think of it, think of it as this all encompassing, um, all the pipes have been reworked under the, the ecosystem of Avenged Sevenfold to run through this, this club that's on the Ethereum blockchain. And so what it means is instead of, and, and, and we will be, there's a lot of like rabbit holes and nuances here, right? Cause we're a group that, that let's just say we have, hundreds of thousands or millions of fans, but there's only 10,000 tokens, right? So in a normal club, like the Bored Apes, there's 10,000 people, they own a Bored Ape, they go to the parties, they go, they get the merch events, they get, um, there's an ape coin coming out, which is a derivative, which is gonna pay them passive income by staking their ape. These are all things that live within an ecosystem of the Bored Apes. With Avenged Sevenfold, it's a little different. We have a bunch of fans that aren't gonna be interested in this, and we have, people that are interested in it. So when you talk about giving utility to the club, it can't be like, choose a set list for us or tell us where we're going to play because it's going to affect the bigger, a broader audience than just the club. 
So what we've done is we said, okay, we're still going to do meet and greets for random. We've never charged for meet and greets. So one thing we, we said is we're still going to randomly choose people that give us their email addresses for meet and greets. We're still going to do all the same things we've always done. But there's a tier of people that want to own this token and they're going to get sneak peeks on our Web3 website of the record. They're going to have a metaverse with private parties that they can go and enjoy other people um, that have these tokens. We're going to um, allow them. To, some people have meet and greets for life. We've airdropped people tickets. We're going to give them ticket stubs every night of every show they go to, which are one of ones. So it's going to airdrop into their wallets. It gives us this ecosystem where we can really reward people because it's as simple as simply having the token. We don't have to hire third parties to, to go do all this stuff for us anymore. It's simply us on the blockchain saying, this will be cool. Let's do it. This will be cool. Let's do it. Now, if you take our original fan base or our original fan you know, email list, there's 600,000 people on that. We can't, you can't do that with 600,000 people. You need to have the people that are in there building these communities out. And so by buying that token, that's, to us, them putting in the work. So the network that you're on, it's it's Ethereum powered. Is that the case? We are on Ethereum. Yeah. Can that be changed? Like if you wanted to upgrade to Solana, for example, which because uh, I think a lot of where um, where the knee jerk reaction from from people who are who are against it seem to land is the environmental impacts. And the guy that I had just talked to, Mike. Uh, who's deep into this, his, his uh, argument to this is like, it's, a, it's an emerging technology. There's going to be growing pains. Bitcoin and Ethereum, although Ethereum was better, still had environmental impacts, but it's not like this is a closed off system that will never, um, that will never change. So the one that he pointed to in terms of its, in, its cost electric, electricity-wise per interaction was one called Solana, but he said that there's a bunch of them, like, I don't know, Radium or, or I don't know the names, right? But, there's a lot of them. Uh, there's there, there's Wax, there's Solana, there's AD, there's a ton of them. The reason yeah. we chose, the reason we chose so a little history on this, Bitcoin is proof of work. It is controlled simply by computer farms that have no human interaction. They're nodes that authenticate these things. Bitcoin maxis love that about Bitcoin because you don't have human interaction. It solves that peer-to-peer trustless issue, right, with transferring money. Ethereum came out and as they're decentralizing, they created smart contracts. Smart contracts are these, the reason why we can have art on the blockchain. It's where the crypto punks came up with the idea of having this hash on the blockchain and digital ownership. So Ethereum is also proof of work at this moment. Other blockchains have come out since, but they really haven't, like, I wouldn't call it an upgrade to go to Solana. We could have easily done Solana. The reason we chose Ethereum is because stability. Like Ethereum has been around since 2016. It's one of the, they have one of the biggest, most robust infrastructures of people and protocols being built out on it. So when I'm thinking about in the future where I want our fans to put their money and feel safe with it, I go with Ethereum because I know it's going to be around for a long time. Solana is a great protocol. So is Wax. So is ADA, but they haven't really nailed NFTs yet. And the reality is Ethereum has been working on this and the people will be like, well, they're not there yet. They will be proof of stake within a year. Proof of stake means they will be the same energy being taken as Solana. And oh. so, and so they've already been working towards that. But when you have such a big infrastructure of things on it, everything needs to be moved over very thoughtfully and carefully because if they fuck that up, 
the, the stability of all of Ethereum could be in jeopardy, right? So they're doing it slowly. It's something that will be happening. Bitcoin, no, they're keeping it on proof of work. They believe in it. And that's that's a lot of their reasoning for, you know, it should never be over on proof of stake. Proof of stake Ethereum within a year, no one will have anything to bitch about. It will be the exact same thing as Solana, except it'll be a very robust ecosystem where Solana is still trying to find its footing in the NFT game. Um, it's just... All the blue chips are on Ethereum at this point. So I totally, I try not to argue with people about that. They all know it's coming, but for now they still want to shoot arrows and be like, yeah, but right now you're still taking up the energy. Yeah, but I'm watching out for our fans that spent a bunch of money to get these things. And I want to make sure it's still going to be around in five years. Fair enough. What sort of blowback have you gotten as a result of uh, getting into this space? So I think there is a very good argument um, by Merlin who runs, I think it was Signal. He started Signal and there's like Elon and, and Jack Dorsey who all are very much Bitcoin maxis. Um, and there's an argument that says it's very expensive to put things on the blockchain, right? Very expensive to actually put them on the blockchain. They're gonna have an argument that you don't really own the thing on the blockchain, you own a link to something on the blockchain. And the reason people do that is because a lot of these collections can't afford to put stuff on the blockchain. So it's it's held through an IP or IPFS. Um, and then the argument they have is like, well, who runs those cloud services? It's not really decentralized if somebody, if two big companies run it, right? And they and stuff being stored somewhere, but it's not in the blockchain. Things like CryptoPunks, um, uh, Art Blocks, Def Beef, a lot of things are on the blockchain. So that argument doesn't hold water. Mm. What I when you talk about the blow blowback, I haven't seen that blowback. I've <laughs> talking about the blowjob. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We talk about the blowjob. Those, oh, those, those are the videos. We're back to the videos. <laughs> when you're talking about blowback, I see a much lower level uh, argument, right? The yeah. argument is you're, you're, you're trying to scam the fans. You um, it's a, it's a money grab. Um, uh, you just own a link. You don't, here's the thing. If you own a board ape, and somebody right-click saves it or says they have a copy of the link and they drop you a derivative like a mutant ape, which is probably worth $60,000, or you go to the party that Chris Rock hosted and you watch Strokes play and watch Beck play, which I went to in New York, and you have to have the ape, that link and that whole idea of like, I, I have your ape and you don't have it, it doesn't work, right? So it's more of a like, symbol of, of something than it is the thing, right? Right. So like the thing being on the blockchain is what allows you into those parties. It's what allows you to get that merch drops. Mm. You know, Shopify, when you go and it, it'll ask for your MetaMask, they don't let the right click save guy get what you think you're getting. No, that's and a so, good point. So, well, but that's what all these things are built out of. Like if you were to take my, the bat from, you know, from Death Bats Club and you were to like copy it and say, well, I have this, you go to the show, you simply wouldn't get in. Like mm. we can authenticate it easily, right? Like mm. that, that's mm. what digital ownership is. There's, it's actually on the blockchain. And so the blowback that we've seen has been very, it's very like knee jerk, like just throw stuff at us. I'll throw you an article from Wired in 2020 about the environmental impact. And, and you go, yeah, but what about Iron Maiden who put out an NFT on wax or what about, and they don't even know about these blockchains because they don't care to look into it. They don't care to look in that these things, it is an emerging technology. It will be better. Them getting out of China actually helps with Bitcoin and the mining. We'll be using a much more renewable energy source. But these are conversations that you can't really have on Twitter because people no, just want to pile on, right? They're going to pile on and they're just going to keep sending you stuff that's irrelevant. Um, well, it's interesting. I it's, Can I, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, I find it interesting too. When you look at something that keeps coming to my mind is like the cost 
environmentally to ship a T-shirt from the UK to America or from, you know, UK to Europe or from Canada to America or whatever, if you take into consideration the gas that goes for the delivery of the postal service and then the plane flights and then, you know, the manpower that goes into it, I think the traditional way of, of uh, providing content as, a, as an artist is certainly not um, devoid of an environmental impact. I wonder what the, the difference between one of the transactions for a, an NFT would be versus sending a T-shirt from you know, America to Europe or whatever. Yeah, and, 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 and think about the legacy banking system. Think about mining gold and, and what we do in countries where we just go in there and, and rip, rip up the landscape. I mean, there's so many arguments. People, they don't want to hear it, though. They think that if you mint an NFT, then you've burned down, a, you know, a village in, in, you know, in South America somewhere. And the reality is it's, it's from the authentication process and the mining of Ethereum. It's not the NFT. Now, the NFTs get bigger. Ethereum is used more, of course, like there's a correlation there. But people, they're, going, they're jumping through a lot of hoops to make it. This is the NFT thing. And they, and they don't want to hear about all the progress that's happening to get it more eco-friendly. None of these people want to destroy the environment but they understand there's an emerging technology here that's going to make everything better from video games to, to finance, to music. Like, so, so Devin, real quick, one thing that we want to do is we want to be on a decentralized platform where we can stream our music and we can instantly see our royalty. So we get, there's a play 24 hours later, we have the money, which can be Ethereum or any sort of token into our accounts instantly instead of, uh, sorry here, instead of, you know, instead of auditing our label every year and going and finding all the money that they're hiding or, you know, going to Spotify and trying to deal with that. Now you see everything, right? It's, it's very like transparent. You have to have the blockchain to do this. Now, imagine if we take those token holders and we have a better cut now, right? Instead of the 20% that we get now, imagine we get 80%, right? Cause there's a streaming service that decentralized, they're taking some money for the service they provide. Everybody can listen to the songs, but our token holders, we can sh- shave off 10, 15, 20% and write a smart contract and fractionalize royalties to the people that have been with us and held those tokens for the longest. So now they're getting paid to be a part of this club. And so when you look at like what Blau's doing and Dead Mouse and all these people in the EDM world, that's what they're doing. They're, they're fractionalizing off royalties and saying the bigger we get and the more you evangelize us, you're going to get paid. And it doesn't affect anybody else. If you want to listen to Devin's music and just throw it on, it's going to be the same thing. You're just going to be providing that that um, that sort of royalty for the token holders, and it's a very interesting prospect where it can go to podcasting, it can go to the music, it can go to live shows. We can upload every live show and just say the more they get played, the more you guys are going to get paid on it. It's a very interesting thing that we've been playing with, and that's kind of what Death Bats Club started off: get the people the token, let them understand it, and then we're going to start rolling out these sort of div- or dividends to them and these rewards that just for holding the token, they're going to they're going to partake it and do you think that the, the technology itself is just it's an inevitable step like that's what's happening next in society is web3 and blockchain and nfts and, and all these things so it's it's going to happen regardless and the technology will refine itself over time of course right there's no doubt about it and the reason it is because i can't find a time in history where we had something better than what we currently had and then we didn't use it mm. right it's going to refine itself this is obviously We've lived through the internet age where mass corporations have come in and they've taken our data and they've rewarded us with likes and hearts. And now 
we're going to have a situation where, so this is a perfect example. We have a land in a, in a metaverse called Sandbox. We're building it out. We own the land. We own the token. We own anything we want to build in there. We can make pay, pay or play to earn games. We can make a free fun place. We can say, well, you have to have a token to come in. We can make it for everybody. We can do whatever we want. And the, the more that Sandbox sells out their 144,000 lots, I mean, it's like got us and Snoop Dogg and Dead Mouse and Adidas and Nike came in and, you know, everybody's coming in, they're building out. They own those plots. The longer that they're in, Sandbox is giving us tokens and governance over it. They start stepping away and all of a sudden they, became a, they become a non-entity. All of a sudden we own our land. We can do whatever we want with it. No one can tell us what to do. No one can, uh, you know, censor us. No one can do anything because it's all decentralized. And that's what Ethereum's doing as, as Vitalik has stepped away. That's what Bitcoin is as Satoshi stepped away. No one knows who he is. These protocols, they don't have one person that run it all and you pay them a cut. There's no cut to be had. It's your land. You paid for it. When you see Zuckerberg getting it with Meta, that's a, a scary thing to people because we know how he runs his business, right? You're going to make a cool world here. I'm going to monetize off it. I'm going to know all your users. I'm going to sell them stuff on the back end. But that's not what Web3 is about. I think if we're, if people truly get into this space, they're going to understand that it's so much better to own these things that you purchase, better to own your own data, better to own that relationship with your fans instead of anybody else sitting there kind of picking from you. And I think as protocols roll out, that's what the world's going to choose. That's what I hope the world chooses. And that's, you know, as a band, what we've chosen, and we're going to take arrows in the back. We're going to take, you know, egg on the face as well sometimes, but we're just going to keep swinging from the hip and trying to do cool things that our fans enjoy. Could you describe um, what web three is? Cause I hear that term a lot, but I'm not super familiar with what it is. So the easiest way to describe it is web one was a bunch of open protocols, right? Like where people could, it's like kind of think of it as no video kind of uh, text driven, but there was a bunch of people building cool shit. Web two was monetized by a few winners, Google, Facebook, Instagram. They own all the data. They own everything. You have to pay them to play. You bring 20 million people onto Facebook, which we did. Then they turn around and go, well, you want to reach them? Give us a million bucks every time, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's web two, which there's video and there's like these social networks. Web three is where we've, all the lessons we've learned from web two, but the ownership goes to the individual. So what that means is that you need to have a blockchain to be under the pipes need to be blockchain, right? So where there's digital assets, digital ownership, you are, things are tokenized. So say you want to go to your website and you want everyone to see it, but there's a secret room in your website that you're doing a live stream of the new record, but you only want Devin token holders to have it. Well, a MetaMask is going to pop up. It's going to authenticate that you have the token and then they're allowed in. Now that's web three. The web three is you, you own this and you have control over what you want to do with it. And no one can, Take that away from you. I'm, I'm, I'm familiar enough with uh, blockchain and uh, blockchain technology to have a rudimentary understanding of it. But would you mind uh, giving us an explanation of blockchain for anybody who's confused about it? Yeah, I think blockchain was obviously created through Bitcoin, right? Bitcoin was the first blockchain and it solved the problem of uh trustless or permissionless, you know, um, uh, wiring of money or any sort of trustless system with humans and you have to interact with people. Mm -hmm. So the blockchain basically said, 
computers are going to authenticate this, but it's not going to be one computer by, owned by anybody. It's going to be multiple computers spread out throughout, throughout the world. And they're all basically going to race to authenticate a transaction or a movement on the blockchain. And once they all agree on it, then it's going to be written forever in a ledger that's immutable. It can never be changed. So when you think about what falls out of that, the next iteration was Ethereum and it was smart contracts. Oh, well, why don't we, why don't we do that with simple things like uh, a task at your house or money or like, uh, you know, anything you can think of could be done on Ethereum blockchain and the computers will authenticate that both sides held up their end of the bargain. So that's what a blockchain is. It's these, these little, I would call them like little blocks of information that are holding what has happened before it but computers do it and no human interaction is, is involved so we can trust it. So it's basically like uh, multiple, like a network of autonomous computers end up uh, confirming information between them. And that's how, is that? Yeah, that's a great, that's a great example for people. Okay. Yeah. So how, so when, when web3 comes along, uh, is, is it, uh, is it in development? Is it already there? Like, like, is it something that when all of a sudden web three is available for everybody, we're going to get a pop-up on our Chrome that just says, would you rather use web three? Like how would that work? Or does it just sort of take over or all web three simply now is just, um, the way that everyone makes fun of it on Twitter, like even like people that are in it, they go web three, better math, <laughs> right? It pops oh, okay. up and authenticates you. Right. So depending on what tokens you have and where you want to go and what you're allowed to do with access to those tokens with those tokens, that is web three. So it's almost like this thing that's just there. It's already living and breathing and happening. Mm -hmm. um, but if you, if you're on a website that is, you know, there's a lot of different things, ways we could talk about it, but let's in the, in the terms of this, let's talk about if you're on our website and you're just checking it out and then something pops up and says, Hey, you don't have access to that. You need to have a death bats token. Once you have that token, you get in there. Now you're in web three. That's the easiest way to look at it. Okay, now you're in, sure, yeah. you're in a, you're in a, you're in an ecosystem that is allowed by having these tokens. It's a protocol that's allowing you in. Mm -hmm. So it's really, it can run, it can run hand in hand with web two. Right. But what people are doing is they're building out these things on web three that are saying like, okay, you don't have to have permission from me. I'm going to allow you to take my IP, take the, 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 um, the code that we've done, and then we're gonna let you build upon it. That's a very web three way of looking at things where mm -hmm. it's almost like Lego blocks and they're all just kind of piecing together where web two, how do you get that stuff? It's all closed off and it's owned by somebody. Um, web three is very much more open and people are allowing people to use all of their stuff. So I guess by the time web three uh, is everywhere, it's not going to be like a transition people are going to have to make. It's just the web is going to be web three, right? Based exactly. on exactly if, if you're, if you're playing in cryptocurrency right now and sending stuff across the internet, mm. and if you're, if you have any NFTs and if you're in, in if you use MetaMask in any way, you're already playing, you're already dabbling in web three, but the How difference is the companies that or the people that want to create things that are special for their fans you want to use web three because then you have like a, an idea of not only can you like transact with these people instantly and, and give them things, but you also have like the one thing Chris Dixon always says in Naval, they always say, these people have put in the work. These are your hardest working, most dedicated fans. And the way you reward them is by knowing that they have a token and that they're, that they're partaking and building upon this ecosystem, whether it's in the community and discord or whether it's, 
you know, going to these parties or whether it's flying the flag of having that avatar that's authenticated on Twitter, which they do now. So these are people that you could call the quote unquote, putting in the work. And mm. now you have a very easy way that you can contact them and be in relation with them. And you can, you can drop them anything you want from tickets to digital merch. So to, to any of your uh, detractors that would say um, that because it's on Ethereum, the environmental concerns are, are heavy, you would respond by saying within a year, the Ethereum platform is working towards uh, an environmental um, solution that's on par with some of the newer networks that is, is as much or less than a Visa transaction. Is that what you're thinking? Well, that's the reality. Um, okay. I don't even try to argue with those people anymore. I understand that Ethereum takes a lot of power. And I also, you know, I also care about the environment deeply, but I'm not going to throw away this technology or be behind on it when I know what they're working towards. And I know the community cares, right? I know it's a, it's a, like you said, it's an emerging technology, which is more important to me that we get this to a place that actually solves a lot of problems. Look what they're doing in South America with Bitcoin and with a, with a world currency that can have some sort of stability instead of a government being able to come in and just wipe out your currency or inflate the hell out of it, this and that. I think cryptocurrency is going to lead us towards a better future. And I believe that smart contracts and the way Ethereum and Solana and Wax and all these other blockchains, I believe it's a much better future for us, especially on the web. Um, and and I, so I understand that these things take time. I understand that the first vehicle was not an electric vehicle, right? I understand that things take time and, and they will get there at a certain point because it's good that people keep everyone honest, right? It's good that there's people going, hey, this is taking up a ton of energy. You better do something about it because I honestly think if the New York Times and all these people didn't write about it, people might be letting it float. A lot of people wouldn't be educated on it. But I yeah. think the fact that they have and they're, they're hounding people like us to get it together, I think it pushes us in the right direction. I'm actually happy for it. And I think a lot of times as well, like if you're, if you're trying to, if you're trying to have a, a conversation with people where, where that is pretty much the knee jerk, like, yes, but the energy, yes, but the energy, then I think it's probably in ours as artists best interest to be able to say to them, okay, well, to address that, here's, where we're at, you know, here's what Ethereum is planning to do. Here's some of these emerging uh, cryptocurrencies that use either negligible energy or whatever, and it may not be now, but we're working towards it. And here's the benefit. I think uh, that conversation, as frustrating as I'm sure it must be, uh, is probably the first one that we need to have with people who are who are so against it, right? Because it is such a knee jerk thing that to be able to say, okay, well, addressing that here's a couple of things, right? So what you had said earlier, I thought was actually really interesting where Ethereum as a company is in the process of moving. Can you explain that further? So, okay, so first off, so yeah. Ethereum is not a company. It is a protocol that is owned by the Ethereum holders, right? This is like okay. first, this is like a, it's like almost like a DAO meets, it's the same way Satoshi left Bitcoin. It's the board, it's, man. It's the board. It's run, yeah, it's run by the, it's run by the people, right? And so, they, they decided that they were going to move towards proof of stake, which proof of stake means that you have to hold 35 Ethereum and then your computer can authenticate transactions. It's a, it's a, it's a, a process that I don't fully understand, but okay. I do know that's how Solana and ADA and all of them have come up with this 0.001% of energy that Bitcoin takes, right? Right. Um, but at the same time, the detractors of that will say, yeah, but 
having the Ethereum on your computer, it's still like kind of a human touch. So like the Bitcoin guys, you go, don't touch it. This is going to be run by computers. We'll, we'll work on the, what energy we use and how we use it. Right. Like that's the angle they're going to take because they're going to keep it on proof of work. Proof Mm -hmm. of stake is just a different way of doing authentications, but it takes way less energy. So the Ethereum network of holders decided that that's what they're going to do, but they have to do it in a responsible way. Now, if you were to say, Matt, why didn't you just go with Solana or all these things? Because I believe in the future, we'll be able to jump chains, right? Mm. Like in the future, there'll be like layer twos and things that will be like, okay, take my death bats club and I'm going to put it on Solana. I'm going to put it on Polygon. Um, that, but we're not there yet. And mm. the reason we went with Ethereum is that there's so many blockchains right now and there's so many good ones. But if you look at like Wax, they're almost like, imagine getting baseball cards and like, there's a million baseball cards and they do really great at small transactions. There's small gas fees, you know, it's very eco-friendly, but there's no real big collections on there. There's no, like, you don't go there and you're like, this is important Mm -hmm. and not, not trying to shit talk wax. I I think they're a great blockchain. When you look at Ethereum, it's important. It was the first one to do this. It's got all the blue chip things on it. And for me, I'm willing to take that year of arrows in the back. Like I said earlier, and have our fans be in something that I know is stable and it's not going anywhere. Um, so these are all things that different artists are going to have to make their own decision, right? Like there's plenty of people that are doing stuff on ADA and Solana. It hasn't evolved yet to a good place. But so, so basically if you say, Hey, I'm going to do my thing on Solana, not only are you going to have to get that small group of people that are using Ethereum and using, uh, that blockchain, but you're going to have to get an even smaller group of people going like, how many fans do I even have here that are going to be, aware of a Solana phantom wallet getting Solana coins, you know what I mean? It's like the, 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 the pool gets smaller and smaller of people that are going to be wanting to get involved because you're on a blockchain that simply it's a good blockchain, but it's not for NFTs yet. Mm. Yeah, no, it seems like it's, it's in a, in a, in an environment where artists in general, like with the industry going in the way that it has, it's, it, it, you have to diversify what you're doing to sort of stay afloat and, you know, with, with Spotify and all this, it's like there's uh, touring becomes an advertisement. Music is an advertisement for your brand in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. And so this seems like on the surface, it gives an opportunity for artists to, to make some money and to be able to control in the future uh, more of how their music is distributed. And I, there's a lot of benefits to that for sure. Right. What, well, what, I, what would, I'm going. I find that. So. I'll give you the quick plan playbook of what we're doing. We did, we make money in the beginning of this. Yes, we did. It was a a great fundraising in the beginning, right? It's the only time that we take the full money off of an NFT being sold. After that, we take 5% of any time it transacts with anyone else. So, but what we did is we took a million and a half dollars of that and we're building out this massive six by six, five video games, social hub, casino, all of these things in this thing called the sandbox, right? Now, if you have a token, you get an avatar that takes you into the sandbox and you get this, we're going to have virtual concerts in there. We'll have virtual merchandise, but basically you've got the token you're in and we're building out this experience in there that is much larger than, you know, just simply Fortnite or a closed off ecosystem. This is going to be, you can jump into Adidas world or Nike world or whatever, like Metallica world, if they ever come in, right? Snoop Dogg world. Um, so that's where we're putting the money back into this. Now, the fractionalized royalties and all these things coming down the pike, this community that we're building, Discord, 35,000 strong, but there's only 10,000 tokens. What I love about this 
is that at the end of the day, people have this token. If they want to sell it to somebody else, they can sell back their membership. So it's not like this predatory thing where we're just taking money from these people. And like, if we provide and provide, if we provide and we knock this out of the park, these tokens are going to be worth a lot of money to people to get in. They're going to say, I want that benefit. I want to get those royalties. I want to go in the sandbox and have that party. I want to watch that virtual concert. I want to be able to get that merch. I think it's such a cooler way to interact than take, take, take Patreon or, you know, a fan club, pay a hundred bucks a year. You actually have ownership of your token and we give up all the IP rights so people can make their own merchandise. They can start their own bands. They can start a coffee brand. They can do whatever they want with their death bat. No mm. band has ever done that. We're going the full NFT web three route decentralized. It's yours. Now you mm. sell that and now someone else owns it. We like giving control to the fans and they, they have the ability to decide what they want to do with their membership to this club. I love that about it. I love giving the keys to them and saying, you're not stupid. You're smart. You can do whatever you want. If you want to hold three of these things and sell them to people later, or if you want to sell them now, or if you want to hold it forever and just get the benefits of the club. I love how that changes the dynamic of the fan band relationship. And I think it's really interesting. Um, I think there's some arguments to be said, but I think there's an argument that says, well, only rich fans. Well, we kept it. 250 bucks to get in 250 bucks to get in for a lifetime. You never lose it. You never pay again if you don't want. And then I would say everyone can't have a sin gates custom guitar and everyone can't sit in the front row and everyone can't afford VIP tickets that most of these bands charge. Anyways, this is half the price and you will have it for life and you have opportunities with it and a community you're building that are bar none going to be better because everybody's evangelizing it because they care. They paid to get in. And so I see this as a much more healthy way of an ecosystem for a band or anybody with an audience. You just finished your new record, did you? Or is it finished now? Or well, I'm gonna I'll drop some some <laughs> I'll drop some uh, some news on on here. We've we're trying to finish the strings. We've we've rescheduled three times now. First, the string players got COVID. Then our guitar player got COVID. Then our producer got COVID. And so now we're scheduled for mid February to just get the strings done and then finish it up. And it's, uh, I, I've known Brooks for years and years and years, man. It's like, man, what a fucking drummer. Holy crud. Yeah, yeah. He's, well, <laughs> he's, he's, been do- he's been done for 18 months. <laughs> that's like kind of what I heard. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Yeah. Uh, well, that's great, man. What, do, do you have the name for the record yet, or is it? No, not yet. No. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that would be great. So you're going you're gonna, to, with your new record, and this is my reason for asking, I guess, with the Web3 and the Sandbox and the Death Bats Club, I guess you can offer your fans an opportunity with the new record within this space to do some really interesting things, right? Yeah. So we've never been much of a band to tease stuff. We always um, just kind of kept our cards, you know, close to our chest and we, then we just yeah. come out. Yeah. I think with this one, one thing I want to do is we, we have, we have a thing that we're building called the studio in our web three model, which looks like a video game, right? When it comes out and you're going to go to the, the studio and MetaMask is going to pop up. And then we, we think we're going to start showing some live footage or some cuts of like the record being recorded before we even start teasing. So things like that, where people are getting this early access to like almost like the process behind the process. Um, that's something that I think is very valuable to people that are fans that want to be involved in that, right? Um, and then I think we'll obviously be rewarding fans that are members of the club with extra packages, merch, vinyls, sign stuff, this and that. It's much easier for us to do it when we have a group of 10,000 that are just very dedicated and, uh, and um, aware and very <laughs> engaged yeah. um, than just going like, hey guys, 
send us your email address. We're just going to pick some of you guys. And you just have no clue <laughs> if multiple email addresses or if they're real or if they're, you know, in some, you know, it's very hard to do that. And so, yeah, there'll be a lot of benefits to the new record. And then also when Tori rolls out, we're going to be giving anybody with a death bats club every night that they come, there's a thing called a POAP which they scan when they're there. It proves it's authenticates to us that they have the NFT and that they're at the show. And then we're going to make a GIF every night and we're going to airdrop it to them as another NFT with a token attached to it. Now, if you connect, collect enough of those tokens, we want to reward people that have gone to a lot of shows. Then we're going to have a, a, a big thing on our website of prizes and rewards, guitars. Cool, you can, yeah, cool. you can like, you can say, well, I've, got, I've been to 10 shows and this is 10, 10 tokens and you turn them in, we burn the tokens and then they get the guitar. That's so there's cool. so many things you can do with yeah. this. Well, that's the more you talk about it, the more I realize it's like if if it's if you own your own space, like within sandbox, that's the term, right? Like, yeah. Then essentially, it sort of sky's the limit. You can you can do whatever you want on a creative level, and then the people who have uh, gotten into this club, uh, a lot of them, a lot of them, like you say, these are like people who have really invested a lot of energy into uh, supporting the work. And so in a sense, you're able to reward their dedication with something that creates a community that is, um, you know, up to the band to then decide creatively how they choose to. And like you say, sky's the limit at that point. On See, on that level, I find it really interesting. That's really cool, man. Yeah. And, and, I think- and you have to get through all the, the, the minutiae and the other stuff about the token. And they see, that's what I mean by I don't mm-hmm. like those those surface level arguments because they're not seeing the big picture of everything that we can. But I believe that they have to happen though, or else it's just going to be a constant, uh, a constant battle of negativity. But I think it's like, if see the hope with like being able to talk to you is, is to shed some light onto uh, the discourse, because I think probably in a lot of divisive uh, conversation, there's the knee jerk things and people have it in their head that it's like, NFT equals bad because of this or gun control or drugs or politics or anything that requires a significant amount of nuance. It's if it's cut and dried, I think the primary uh, task that we have is to try and explain it in a sense. So we can say, I can understand it's frustrating. I can understand it's you've got this thought about what it is and what it isn't. But here's some information for us to ponder. And here's what the potential of it can be. And I think that's the way that we can create a dialogue with this, you know? Yeah, I hope so. It actually reminds me, the only other thing I lived through that was kind of like this is when Napster happened and streaming. Mm. And then you had all these artists that were just like, they were so against it. But look where look where it led us. And I think the next iteration is going to be even better when we have the rights and we can watch these royalties come down. We get them in our wallet next day. The fans get to be rewarded with ownership. So that's the mm. next iteration. But if you look at the iteration before, I mean... People would, there's some people that would rather have us go back to walking around with a disc man in our, in our pocket, you know, and having, you know, having to actually own the CD instead of having all the music at our fingertips. But at the time that was like an argument, right. And people were very, they were very upset and they were very um, passionate about it. I mean, we, we did our last record, we did a surprise release. Right. And Mm. we, we were saying that we felt physical was dead. I mean, I understand vinyl. I collect vinyl. It's a collectible. It's not a way to listen to music in terms of like our everyday lives. You're not going to want to run and bring your record player with you. Um, but, but so it's a collectible and I totally get it. I get that argument and it sounds great, but 
the, imagine going back to that world. The world keeps moving in a place and it's usually better for the consumer. The consumer has this thing now and maybe we all got the shaft as artists, right? We couldn't make money on records anymore and we've moved to other avenues. I feel this is getting us the power back. I feel the fans are going to benefit from it. I feel that there's solutions now to the problems that existed and there was no solution until Bitcoin. Until Bitcoin created blockchain and until Ethereum came out with smart contracts, all of a sudden, all these problems that we had with anyone can listen to anything and anyone can do anything they want, they get solved when the finance and the, the music and the art and the creativity all come together into one place and you can just see where everything's happening and you can choose your own adventure. The Devon experience does not need to be the event assembled experience. Oh, dude, the Devon experience is a gong show, man. <laughs> well, but, I know but, firsthand. Yeah, but what happens? I mean is that you can do your, your, your NFT or web three experience will probably be a lot different than what ours is. And, and what's cool about that is that it gives the control back to the, the creator to be whatever they want it to be. And that's why do you think it was so divisive? Is it just, do you think, because I mean, of course people fear change in general, right? But why was this one just so hotly contested and continues to be, it was, it was astounding to me how negative the reaction was. I think it's because when you see, okay, so if you look at CryptoPunks, right, the first, let's, let's call it for now, the first thing on the blockchain, it's a piece of art of a, a digital, like looks like a video game character and there's mm -hmm. 10,000 of them and they go for millions of dollars. And the reason they go for middles, millions of dollars is because there's a lot of people that understand this was the first proof of concept on the Ethereum blockchain. That is worth a lot of money to people. It's a relic. It's almost like having a Picasso or the Mona Lisa, but you have one of these relics that is the first in the blockchain. Now, when you throw those names around, people get all mad. Like, it's a rich person's thing. That's a stupid piece of art. Why would I pay for that? Art has always been subjective. You can't tell me this is cool or not based on your opinion. Like, like if you if I was to show you the Mona Lisa in 2022 and you'd never seen it before, you'd say that's trash. I mean, art is so subjective. The reason people buy CryptoPunks is because it's a relic of the change of the guard of the new internet. And so unless you understand that, you go, rich people own it, that's stupid, it sucks, and I don't want to be involved. You hear a band gets involved and they go, they're trying to sell shit to rich people. These are expensive when really they're not. An NFT can be any price you want it to be, right? Like you could give your NFTs out for free. By the way, the CryptoPunks were given out for free in the beginning, 2017. So then you look at the Bored Apes who created this club and now all the celebrities are getting in and it's obviously the supreme of culture. It's very cool to be in the Bored Ape Yacht Club. And people look at that and they go, I hate rich people. I hate that. I hate everything it's about. That's what NFTs are. And it gives it this like, this feeling of if you're into NFTs, you're this crypto bro and you, and you, you're you you're flaunting your wealth and you, there's nothing good for and, and by the way it sucks for the environment and by the way these people that get it they suck and they're celebrities and i hate that and so i think you have this all this stuff surrounding it that people just want to get really really upset about if you if you were uh faced with the opportunity to to explain to somebody who was one of those cats like that, you know, has got his mind made up, his or her mind made up about this is what it is. It's for rich people. It sucks. The artist shit. It's like whatever. And you were charged with the task to try and change their mind. Um, would you have anything that you would say to them? Well, I actually did an AMA on our, on our Reddit to try to do all this stuff and answered all the hardest questions. And, you know, the people didn't really respond back. And then as soon as I was gone, it was the pile on, right? It's like, mm -hmm. 
I think this is very simple. Digital ownership is good for you and it's good for me. Mm. I don't like renting out my IP or my brand or my data or my fans data, right? So web and two it, is more, you could look at web two as like renting out your IP, right? Absolutely. Oh, they, okay. They, they use your band on Facebook and they sell to your audience. You have so, to pay them to... Could, yeah, could you even say that? You could say, okay, uh, like a fundamental difference between the way that, that things are operating currently and have been for the past decade or so, few decades, is Web2 is you are renting your, uh, your, your IP and therefore you are renting everything that goes into what uh, you interact with and who can interact with your work. And on Web3... The fundamental difference is that you own your IP and you can own parts of this in an immutable way based on the blockchain being a collective of, uh, of computational processes, right? Yep. Okay. So, so what That's you just said there, so yeah. you remember in the beginning of this conversation, I said, you have to understand blockchain to buy into any of this, right? right? Like you have to understand that that is immutable. And the way that it's immutable and why it's immutable and why it's important. Because if you don't buy into that, then you're going to go, I don't believe that. I don't so care. Are there, are there people that don't buy into it? And for what reason do they not buy into I it? I think they go straight to these other excuses and reasons to hate because they don't actually understand it. They don't, they don't, they don't understand that they can actually own a skin in Fortnite. They don't mm. understand that they can actually earn coins that have dividends and they can actually buy things in a decentralized way on web three, because they don't understand why, how that's possible. They've lived in an internet where none of that has been possible. What would be the difference between owning a Fortnite skin and renting one? Oh my God. Huge. So my okay. kids spend about five to 700 bucks every couple months on renting these skins. Okay. Now the, the skins they bought a year ago or before they never use them anymore. They're using the newest thing. Now there's all these other people that are getting into the game for the first time that you could put those skins up for sale on a marketplace for half off, maybe get a little bit of your money back. People that want to get in the game early, or say you go win a tournament and you've got a Jordan Jersey on, but it's Jordan Jersey seven, six, six. Now you win a tournament. It's the same thing as Jordan winning that game six game winner with his shoes on. That's a digital collectible that we can tell that Ninja won that tournament with that skin. That that jersey is going to be worth a hell of a lot more money now instead of just there's a million jerseys that look like that. And we don't know which one he was in. They're, well, actual, they're actual things now. So if you look at like World of Warcraft, all those things we were mining for and those weapons that we were building and all those things we we're doing, you would actually own them in a way that you could sell them on a marketplace that is actually authenticated and not like a third party weird eBay type, you know. Let's well, that's, that's what it currently is, right? Like if you wanted to say you'd have to sell your rocket league profile or whatever. And then, yes. then you lose the, you lose the ownership of all that work, but somebody else can purchase it and then take on that. Right. So yeah, with the web three, every time you would buy a skin or every achievement that you've got within a game would go, how does that go? Does it go into your IP? Does it go into your personal profile? Digital wallet, like your digital wallet. So and your digital wallet is, is web three. So like the ledger, uh, what's the, um, so those little, like the USB sticks with the codes and the 25 words that you have to yep. put in. So basically a digital wallet in Web3 is going to be something that people are just going to have everywhere. Like that's the idea, right? Will it Absolutely. be 
Will it, will it, because currently it's a piece of hardware that you have to put in to download your information. Would it be more on the phone or what? Well, so no, they're all on the phone and they're all, it's, one is called MetaMask, one's called Phantom for Solana. They're all on the phone. So what you're seeing is a, is a ledger. And so oh, okay. that's, a, that's a password that protects your password. So you can't get your shit stolen. Okay. So, but how, because there's been a lot of, uh, and I, I, I admit to being naive about it, but there's been a lot of talk about people uh, being hacked or people losing their uh, NFTs or, you know, uh, is that a result in your opinion of these uh, wallets being on the phone or why would that no, be? No, they're, they're 100% every one of those is human error. Okay. They've been fished through discord. They've clicked a bad link and they've emptied out their wallet to people that are on sites that are connecting to their wallet. So what happens is say I have a vengeful.io, right? And we have Discord and everyone's in the Discord talking. And we we'll tell them over and over, do not click on links from us. We will never send you links. Don't uh, you know tell them till we're blue in the face. Yeah, yeah. Then somebody makes avenge or avenge sevenfold, but the I is an L or the L is an I. And then the dot IO they make the, a copy of our website and they mm. make it web three. And basically they have it signed up so that if you do have MetaMask and you sign up and you think it's yours, they can empty your wallet out. They'll, they'll, they won't hack the, the MetaMask. They won't hack the blockchain. They'll hack the discord. And then they'll send out a link and go, Oh my God, guys, surprise. We're going to send you guys a bunch of stuff. All you have to do is sign up your wallet. They all rush there. They connect their wallet and then gone. How can you protect your fans from that? Other than just saying, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Right. Well, so this is more of a thing of web two getting manipulated and getting tricked into giving up your web three credentials. Right. Oh, okay. So discord is a web two protocol right. and they are trying to implement a blockchain layer. They are going to NFTs. They are doing all this stuff, but right now all you have to do is the simple old things of hacking a normal website. And then you just trick people into thinking it's you talking to them and you send them to a web three site, have them connect because they think they're getting something so you just have to warn them over and over that if you're going to be on a web two site, you know, like I could easily send, that's why it's scary, right? That's the mm. scary part. Like always beware of what you're connecting to people like me who are savvy in the space. I have an extra wallet signed up. I put a little bit of money in it. I mint on that wallet. When I sign up to a website, I do it on a, a wallet does not hold all my stuff and all my stuff's on a ledger. Like you were talking about. So I have a password that has a password. So like I need to connect and do the password on one thing and then authenticate before anything moves. So if someone hacks my stuff like that, they can't just take it. Mm. But, but these are all security issues. But this is, as we move forward, this is going to be easier, right? Right now yeah, you're know, talking sure. about, this for is sure. like fucking, this is like the Wild West right now. Well, I guess that's the thing. Like you're hoping that there's no like Web 3.0 Nigerian prince scams that are coming through that they found a we way. Always make, we always make fun of it. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, man. <laughs> exactly what it is. Like so, I'm the Nigerian prince, click on my link and then that's your it. shit's gone. That's it. Yeah. So with, with it, once Discord moves onto a Web 3 protocol and once that whole way of functioning, which is fundamentally, fundamentally different than Web 2 from what I'm getting from you, right? Yeah. Yep. So once we get to the point where everything is Web 3, um, uh, can you speculate on how uh, uh, the fans would be protected at that point? Is it less of an issue? Well, something like Discord, you'd be able to see, you'd easily be able to click on whoever's sending out those links, right? And you'd be able to mm. see their transaction history. You'd be able to see that they're authenticated. You'd be able mm. to see, like, 
in Discord right now, you simply just sign up an email address. They give you a name and you can jump in there and I, you could be event sevenfold one through 500. So it's almost like like the death bat uh, token, for example, or anything that is uh, part of blockchain. It's a way of, of verifying uh, somebody's credentials, like verifying somebody's being who they are. In some sense, I'm just trying to figure this out. In some sense, it's like, just by the fundamentals of Web3 being what it is, uh, it eradicates a, a fair amount of that, um, you know, being able to posture as somebody else, right? Because you... Absolutely. Oh, that's interesting. You can go back and see every single transaction that person's made in their whole life, where the money came from. So you'll see people that sell stuff to themselves and people can trace it all back and go like, oh, like six six moves ago, they moved that money to here. And then they tried to go a big roundabout way and send it to wallets, but it's the same guy buying it. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. nothing is hidden on yeah. the blockchain, which also causes a new set of problems. Right. Like, so people yeah. have brought up the idea of like, well, what if somebody sends a bunch of dicks to your wallet and everyone can see in your wallet? Right. Like, so they created like a hidden thing where you can hide stuff on open sea. But again, like people can spend money to send you shit that you don't want. Right. Well, I mean, like, we're an opportunistic species, man. We're going to find ways to fuck with each other. Right. We like, are. And like, so yeah. it's like kind of like the new spam. Right. And so what they did mm -hmm. is like, now if it comes from something you've not interacted with before, it goes instantly to a hidden wallet, but yeah. there's going to be new things that get obviously, right. There's going to be people, but the cool thing about NFT world is that if you want to send something to somebody, you have to make a transaction on the blockchain. So if somebody wants to send out 500 dicks to people's wallets, they're going to have to pay. And so <laughs> What is it per dick? <laughs> well, on Solana, very cheap. On Ethereum, it'd be a lot more. That, that, that Ethereum diamond dick. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, it's super interesting, Matt. It's super interesting. I think the more that I talk to people about it, the more I think that it's it's an inevitability. I think that the the blowback on it right now is uh, there's a certain amount because I, I you know when we were talking online and then when I asked I got sent a bunch of films and I watched the films too I forget the name of it the guy has an extraordinary vocabulary and he talked for two and a half hours um, but a lot of a lot of uh, the points of that film top up or something a guy with a beard yeah. and an orange yeah. jumper but um, a lot of what he said is also paused for thought right like but I also think what's interesting about either side of a divisive uh, conversation is when there are things that that um, contradict points that are fundamental to their to their appreciation for it. It's really funny how quickly it gets glossed over. Right. Like a lot of the things that I see because the environmental uh, aspect is so forefront in people's mind. A lot of the things that I looked up about people who hate it, if they do mention it, it's really in passing. It's like, ah, they're yeah. probably working on some things that are better. But anyway, it sucks, right? Like, yeah, I know. But I it's think it's also on both sides, right? Like, I think that if people have a bias, they're going to look for whatever um, whatever they can find that will that will strengthen that bias. It's just that's also human nature. So finding the truth in between it is is really important to make a, a, an educated uh, decision on these things, right? I agree. On the environmental stuff, like I'm not the kind of person that would sit there and go like, oh, I see this as the future, but it's bad for the environment. So let's not work towards it. We're just going to leave it. Like, mm. I believe that everything we've ever done as a species usually starts off pretty bad for the environment. <laughs> and then and we, and we, and we try to figure it out. Wish we did a better job at it. Right. And I can see people just kind of rolling their eyes at like another technology coming this the whole digital landscape. People, 
they're afraid of it. Some older people are afraid of it. The young kids understand it. it's the culture for them. You know, the, a lot of these kids, they grew up, they want to be TikTok stars or, or video game players. They understand the digital aspect, but I, I do think that you got to give people a little bit of time to work on those things. And then if it's a fucking, if it's a mess in five years, then at some point you just got to say, okay, like we're, we're going to move over to Solana. We're going to move over to, to wax. We're going to move over to something else. But the reality is without Ethereum and without Bitcoin, you wouldn't have Solana and wax and all these things that are mm. actually not energy efficient. And if you bring up those blockchains, people won't even talk back. They just, they don't want to know about it. They want to know about Ethereum and they want to like pound you because Ethereum and Bitcoin are big, right? They're the ones, they're the ones taking the shots. The most important thing I think at this point for, for artists, um, you know, if you, if you put aside a lot of the, the conversation about environment or, or, um, you know, people being opportunistic with the technology, which to be fair happens in, in almost every realm. Um, I think that, uh, the benefits for an industry such as music or any industry video game or, or, or film or whatever that has taken hits based on, uh, uh, you know, streaming or any number of things, it makes a lot of sense to say, okay, well, as an artist, we can have control over it. We can monetize certain aspects of it or choose not to, and it can reward the fan base and it can become part of a, of an environment that we can be creatively in control of and present something for an audience that's really special. And, and there's a sense of community in an environment where uh, increasingly community has become uh, either toxic or so we're so distanced from it that we, you know, don't know how to communicate with each other and the artists can make money. I mean, all of this is, is like really interesting, but I think the things that uh, in my opinion, after having this conversation with you and others, and then looking at both sides of it a little bit more, I think the thing that we're really uh, in the position of right now is that we have to have uh, a calm discourse with people about the concerns and then be able to say, okay, I understand that point of view. Here's uh, a conversation on the other side of that. Maybe we'll come to an agreement there. And on the other side, it's like, I understand that although I have a bias about how I feel about this based on the information that I have accumulated from all these sources without being perfectly honest, investigating it, um, you know, and I hear what you're saying now. And actually that is kind of cool. And at that point, I think if both sides can say, okay, so here's the commonality between what we find is problematic with this technology, but here's also the commonality with what we have found as being a very clear benefit for it. So how together can we find a way to solve this? Because like anything else, man, it's like people are just so uh, tense right now. And rightfully so the anxiety of the past couple of years has been fucking absurd. And so, you know, everybody's looking for places to hang that anxiety. And that's a great peg, man. Like if you get something new that is like divisive, like, like this, people are like, okay, all that shit that I can't say to grandma is going on this. Now I'm fucking yeah. angry. Right. Yeah. But I think it's worth, I think it's worth uh, thinking about. And I think it's worth anybody who is, got their mind made up either way to, to look at man. And, and maybe there's a real, it seems like from talking to you as a fellow artist, man, there's a lot of benefit to that. Of course. Yeah, man. It's like fucking awesome. Right. But also when I was watching that video and I was watching this guy talking about Bitcoin and, and you know, how the housing bubble and all these things sort of 
come into play and, and, you know, the idea of grifting and the idea of, you know, people uh, creating uh, a sense of false scarcity based on being able to sell their product back to forth of themselves. And I mean, all that makes perfect sense too. So I think that it's just a matter now of trying to find a middle ground between these things and, and it could be great. Man. Yeah. I think they, I think a lot of that Bitcoin stuff, they, when they say false scarcity to me, that's, there's nothing false about it. They don't understand the blockchain. They're like, we have created a new technology in a way that it's not false in any way. Not, not more false than, you know, th- when you close off the, the supply cap of 21 million, it, like either you don't believe in the blockchain or you do, right? Like I, like I, I, Man, I, it sounds I like a religion. <laughs> I love watching those uh, videos because a lot of them are just, they're so steeped in like this personal opinion of these people. And they, and they, and they go down these routes of like, they see other people doing stuff and they get offended by it. And they, and they use that as like a, a like it's circumstantial evidence a lot of the time. And I just, however, then if, if, if what we were saying about how uh, proof of, uh, so what was the tooth? It was proof of, um, proof of work and proof of stake. So proof of work is Bitcoin, correct? Yes. So, so other than that, there are still humans that are involved with this man. You know what I mean? So it's like, yep. I, I can understand uh, how, uh, people can 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 have a personal bias about something that still involves humans because yeah humans opportunistically will will create false scarcity for example by saying why is there only ten thousand you know board apes or why is there only ten thousand you know devs nutsack tokens or whatever with yeah. that yeah so I can get that man but I guess it's the same thing with releasing limited edition albums right it's so. the exact same it's the exact same thing it's the exact same thing we've been doing forever the okay. reason you do it is because they you know, like, I don't know. I, I think they use the word false scarcity because they look at it as it's digital. So it's not truly false. You can always make more. What are that? Before I let you go, what are some of the buzzwords that bother you most? So I guess false scarcity is one. What would be another? Well, one? I just think that <laughs> if, you, if, if, if you're like me and you truly believe the board apes can't make more board apes, like they can make another collection. But that, that's closed off because of the way the blockchain works. It's simply a collection that's written on a smart contract, and those things are immutable. So when people say false scarcity, to me, that to, they, they're thinking that, oh, what if they make 12,000? What if they make 15? And they, it's like... Is 10,000 the limit? No, you do whatever you want. So why 10,000 versus a million? So the, the board Apes did that because that was the CryptoPunks model. And the CryptoPunks, like I said, was given out for free. I don't know right. exactly why they made 10,000 but it became a good number because it was just enough to have scarcity, but there was enough to let enough people in that were interested. And it just seemed like this good number where, you know, I mean, you could pick 25,000, right? You could you you hypothetically say, okay, um, how do you service, how do you service a million people? That would be the question. Could you do a million tokens? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And you could do, could you put, could you give them away for free? Yep. It's interesting, brother. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. I think it's really helpful for me and I'm sure it's helpful for people. And, you know, uh, 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 I've got my dumb little conversation here. You're the first person I've talked to. You're my first guest, bro. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, it's great talking to you, Matt. And I hope your day is great. And thanks for taking the time and, uh, you know, good luck. It sounds like you're doing fucking awesome things, man. Well, we're, we're trying, man. I appreciate it. It's good to talk to you in person. You too, man. That's so weird. All right. I'll talk to you soon, right? All right, bud. See you later. All right. 
So after a week of diving deep into the hotly contested world of non-fungible tokens, I'm now on the other side of it, having had experience with, to some degree, the opinions on both sides of the spectrum. And I'll sit with it now and just sort of see how I feel about it. At this point, I mean, it's not a huge issue, I guess. I'm not, I don't have a burning desire to do it. I do think there's some interesting things that could be done with it. I think there's some really cool creative things that could come up with it. And I do like the idea that the environmental concerns are being uh, addressed. And if it does become this thing that is just everywhere, then it's good to get some sort of a working knowledge of it. But I also uh, am very aware of the audience in the sense that I feel very fortunate to have the support and the emotional involvement from the audience that I do. And if participating in something like this alienates 95% of your audience, I think that at least now it's probably not the best bet. But who knows, maybe after listening to this and watching this, there might be some opinions that have changed or maybe some that have been galvanized. I don't know. I don't really have a solid opinion yet. I think I still need to learn more. But the chances of it being thrust in our faces are very high. So I can't imagine I won't learn more about it. But until that time, I'm going to continue making music because that's what I do. I hope you're all well. And until next time, this is Dev out. Out.